Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, hi there. This is your host, Dr. Barbara Young, and welcome to the Transformation for Success show. You know, today it is the Money Hour with Caitlin Chin and how she recovered after a financially devastating loss. So I want you to join me today with my guest, who is a writer, blogger, speaker, and a working capital consultant for a commercial banking institution. So, And Caitlin is also a contributing writer for E, the magazine for today's female executives. So Caitlin today is going to share how she overcame her own financial struggles after the recession of 2008. So you want to hear how she bounced back and is now today sharing with others sound financial advice and strategies to save and make money after experiencing a financial hardship. You know, I'm always so pleased to chat with men and women trailblazers who've made, and I consider Caitlin a trailblazer because they've made remarkable progress in their transformational journeys. And I know for many of you out there, you may be sharing uh, actually Caitlin's story, but one of hope, encouragement, and enlightenment for many of you who might be going through some difficult financial times today. So if you're listening live and you have questions for Caitlin, you're welcome to call in the show, don't be shy, and the call-in number is 1-888-346-9151. Again, that's 1-888-346-9151, and I'm certain she'll be delighted to take your questions. You know, Caitlin, I am happy to have you on the show today. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, Dr. Young. Thank you so much for having me. Well, girl, I I am am so great. Well, I'm delighted, too, because, you know, April is our month of really what we call, in fact, I did not know that the government has designated this the month of financial literacy, because it's such a a major social issue that they've actually designated April as the month of financial literacy. And so I, you know, wanted to kind of inquire and start out, you know, with just sharing with you that there are some really alarming stats that could be drastically approved with the right education. And I didn't realize how bad uh, financial literacy is in our country. Um, And it's just really interesting. So I wanted to just get, you know, right on and with it and start asking you a lot of questions because you have done a lot of work with what I would call financial literacy, but from your own experiences. So I want to uh, ask you, Caitlin, a little bit about your background. I know you came from, is it, I, I don't want to say the wrong country, but tell me where you came from, <laughs> because I didn't want to say it wrong. Yes. I'm from Taiwan. That's right. I know. I, I said, I don't want to say the wrong country. in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> and, and did you grow up in L.A.? Yes, I did. I okay. grew up in L.A. Well, I was born here in L.A., mm-hmm. and when I was eight months, I went back to Taiwan Mm-hmm. And I came back to the United States when I was seven years old, and that's when I learned English. So English is my second language. Okay. And you know, I've been here ever since. Mm-hmm. 
And so where did you go to school? You went to high school, you went to college here, and uh, what was your major when you were in college? Yes, I went to UCLA. I was a uh, bachelor's, I had a bachelor's degree in philosophy, then I got my MBA in finance later mm-hmm. on in life, so it's never too late to learn. That's I was true. actually working for full-time for a bank, and I went to school in the evenings and on Saturdays. It wasn't mm-hmm. online. It was in person. I still can't take classes online. I like, you know, face-to-face interaction with the professors. Right, right. Well, but the online classes have proof for people who are working and who can't, you know, actually get that face-to-face interaction. So, but, well, I'm Yeah, it's excited. a great alternative. It really is. But, you know, I'm aware too, Caitlin, since I know you personally and professionally, and just, I'm so excited because we've shared many experiences together. But, you know, I'm aware also that you've enjoyed uh, a great amount of success uh, in your early career, and you even purchased several homes. So what was happening during that time of life, and how were you able to acquire all the, I get several, I guess five homes. How were you able to acquire them at such a young age? Well, I was in the mortgage and real estate business, and of mm-hmm. course most of your listeners know that uh, before 2008, we had a real estate boom, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was just purchasing one after another because I was making all this money. I never really thought of what if. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. in hindsight, thinking about it, and I was, my rent that I was getting for my investment properties was actually Mm -hmm. less than my mortgage. And that didn't make any sense at all. But at that time, Mm-hmm. You know, I always also wanted to keep up with the Joneses. I'm sure a lot of mm-hmm. people can relate. You see mm-hmm. your peers, you see your coworkers mm-hmm. buying homes. Mm-hmm. And so what what do you want to do? I wanted to impress others. Well, mm-hmm. you know, the problem with keeping up with the Joneses is you're pre- impressing people that don't really care. <laughs> you know, people that care, you don't need to impress them. That's right. And that was my mistake. And, mm-hmm. of course, in 2008, within 24 hours, I lost all of my income. Too and much? what did I do? Well, hours. I can't take back time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can just move forward. Mm-hmm. And what I did was I just started thinking logically. When you're mm-hmm. in a financial bind, mm-hmm. that's what you have to do is think logically. What do I do now? I can't do anything about what happened, about the past. And so first thing I thought to myself was, you know, what do I, I need to either give up my cars or my, my car or my home. I can't give up my car because now I need to find another job. I need a car. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. what I did was I decided to give up all five of my homes. I had three short sales and two foreclosures. Of course, it's all about location, location, location. Mm-hmm. And the three I was able to short sale was in a good location. I was able to sell it. The two that wasn't in a very good location, of course, I couldn't mm-hmm. sell it to save my life. So it foreclosed. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what happened. And, you know, little by little, I found a job at a bank. And from there, I started paying off my credit cards. Mm -hmm. and I still had a little bit of student loans, so I paid off my student loans, and I really lived by Dave Ramsey's debt snowball philosophy. Mm -hmm. What is his philosophy? Don't look at the, right, just look Mm -hmm. at the amount. Don't look at the interest rate. For example, 
if you have three credit cards, one is only a thousand dollars, one's five thousand, and one's ten thousand. But the one that's a thousand dollars, if it's the lowest interest rate, you would think, well, let me pay the higher interest rate one first. Mm-hmm. No, what I did was I paid off the lowest interest rate first, the one that's a thousand dollars. And once you pay that off, you feel good about yourself, and it, mm-hmm. it's, it's really true. Mm-hmm. And then what you do is you save the money that you used to pay that $1,000 and you pay it towards the 5000 now. And mm-hmm. it's like a little snowball, you know, rolling down the hill, it gets bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. Well, did, at and one time, was there mm-hmm. any time, you know, when you're going through this, I mean, you had five homes, you're doing well, and like you said, you're you're keeping up with the Jones, and but was there ever a time when you actually woke up in a cold sweat with fear? Uh, here you are, you know, with all of this on you, it's only you, you're not married, right? Yeah. And here you are, did you wake up with, with fear, or just in the middle, you know, I'm just thinking about that. That's traumatic. Yes, it is traumatic. And I did wake up with fear. Sometimes I couldn't even wake up mm-hmm. because, you know, I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But that goes back to actually my, one of my strengths is positivity. I don't know, Dr. Young, if you've heard of the Gallup Strength Finder. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yes, ma'am. You know, I took the Gallup Strength Finder and positivity was one of my strengths. And I mm-hmm. always think positively. Mm-hmm. No matter how devastating it can be, mm-hmm. you know, my top five are relator, learner, achiever, responsibility, and positivity. And even though mm-hmm. I was fearing what's going to happen for the future, I thought to myself, well, it's not going to do me any good to fear, right? I have to take action. I have mm-hmm. to take action to pay my rent. I have to pay, uh, take action in order to pay my car, just mm-hmm. sitting here and thinking about it won't do me any good. And that's what got me through it. Now, you, you said, I know that you had to file bankruptcy. How, how did you come to that decision? I mean, was it just, you know, you, you came to the conclusion you had to file bankruptcy. And how traumatic was actually, that? Actually, Dr. Young, I didn't file bankruptcy. I thought about it, but then mm-hmm. I just went on with a foreclosure. Okay. So I actually never had a bankruptcy. Okay. Yeah, it was just the foreclosures, and it took me seven years to recover my credit because when you have a foreclosure or short sales, the negative uh, impact is on your credit report for seven years. And little by little, by paying down my debts Mm -hmm. and also, you know, paying my car payments on time, I was able to rebuild my credit, and then seven years later, all the negative things dropped off and that's where I was able to buy another home. Well, you know, it's just really amazing uh, when we think about, when you think about credit card debt and when I was doing research um, just for not this show, but for the whole month as we're talking about financial wellness and so many people are having financial challenges, I did not know that from the latest stats, and you may have even better ones than I do, that 38% of the households in the United States have credit card debt. And on average, they owe about 17, between 16, 17,000 with an APR of 16.47%, which means 
if they took 10 years to pay off their full balance, they would hand over 16000 almost 17000 in interest to their credit card u- u- uh, issuer, more than twice of what they initially spent. And I think, are people aware that they're paying so much in interest and that there are strategies that they can reduce the amount of interest they pay? Are you sharing that with folks, <laughs> Caitlin? Yes, actually, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I've actually tried calling my credit card companies to try to lower my interest rate. Mm-hmm. Of course, that doesn't always work, but then, mm-hmm. you know, it did work one time. But then again, I don't think people are really thinking about it. See, what it is is you're spending more than mm-hmm. you make, right? That's why you have to use your credit card and you pay it off. You don't pay it off at the end of the month. I mean, credit cards are great as long as you use it and you pay it off mm-hmm. by the end of the month or after that you get your bill. But then, you know, I think the biggest problem is people tend to spend more than they actually make. And mm-hmm. there are a lot, a lot of things that you can cut back. Mm-hmm. If you just write down all your expenses mm-hmm. and, you know, first see what you can cut back. And, you know, first, what I tell people to do is actually write down your take-home pay. What is your take-home pay? And if you're a W-2 employee, you have to make sure your withholdings are correct, right? Mm-hmm. If you're single, you claim one, or if you have a home, you can claim a little bit more. But look at what your take-home pay is and look at what your monthly expenses are. A lot of people, the 38% that you were talking about, their expenses are actually more than what mm-hmm. they take home. And this is why month after month, they're just building up their credit card debts. And the best thing to do is look at your fixed, you know, fixed expenses uh-huh. first, see where you can cut. You know, are there, is there a cable bill that you can lower? Or can you uh-huh. move to a, you know, a smaller home? Can you live in a smaller home? Because you can save a lot of money there with the cost of housing nowadays. You know, if you save an extra uh-huh. $500 by moving elsewhere, that's $500 that you can pay towards your credit cards. And then look at your, you know, the adjustable expenses, for example, uh-huh. entertainment. Is there, you know, can you go to a park instead of going to the movies all the time? It's just little things like that that when it adds up. Well, I, I find it so interesting because I know that uh, for some time you've had a passion uh, to help people to find the right balance when it comes to saving money and spending and and investing. And do you believe this passion, uh, Caitlin, came out of the fact that you, you know, went through something that was very traumatic and dramatic for you, that you, this out of this, came this passion to want to help people? Yes, that's where, definitely where it came from. You know, we don't learn this in school. I don't know if they teach financial literacy in school now. I think they should. There but, are a few. You know, I high learned schools. the hard way. There are a few yeah. high schools that are now. I think five states have now. Uh, they have a personal finance requirement in high school, and I think we oh, really cool. need to bring financial education into the classroom because uh, I think a lot of the responsibility falls on parents or individuals to teach themselves. But let me um, just say this right now. I just I just find it so interesting 
that so many people that have out of the depths of their despair, they find something meaningful that comes out of it. And I want to applaud you and just take time to admire you for what you're doing today to help so many uh, individuals. So, Caitlin, we're going to come back because I have other things that I want to ask you, more questions I want to ask you. And you've been working in the financial industry for a number of years. And you're currently a working capital consultant. And I think that's great. So, Let's take a quick little break, and we're going to be right back, because I'm going to talk about how you got to become a writer and a blogger and what you're doing, and you're working with millennials as well. So i got a lot more questions to ask you. So we'll take a quick break, okay, and we'll be right back. So listeners, stay tuned. I'm going to be right back with my guest, Caitlin Chen. Thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Moving forward can be difficult to do sometimes. There is always something going on. Many times, nobody else knows exactly what you're going through. If you are experiencing pain or loss, even something that is unexplained that is missing in your life, You'll want to tune into Go For It with host Joe Hausman. Joe and her guests will show you laughter and love. Sometimes you just need something a little positive in your week. Make that spot Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red's. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888- 346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, welcome back today to my show, Transformation for Success, with my guest, Caitlin Chen. And yes, it's the money hour, and we're talking about how she recovered after a financially devastating loss. But you know, the more interesting thing is that we really are talking about financial wellness, because money plays a critical role in all of our lives, and not having enough of it impacts our health as well as our everyday performance. So, Caitlin, welcome back to the show, and I'm so happy you're here today to just really share uh, how you overcame all of your own financial struggles after the recession of 2008. You bounced back. Uh, You're able now to give sound financial advice and strategies, and how did you come up with the idea of writing a a blog and becoming a blogger, And, and you're doing so much work with the millennials. So, tell me, how did this come about? Well, my motivation, of course, is the financial setback I had, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to get it out to a larger audience, and I figure, you know, the only way I can 
share my experiences is by doing a blog. And actually, Dr. Young, I met you at an event one day, and you inspired me as well. (laughs) And so I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, Caitlin. Well, it's all within you. You had it within you that that's what you wanted to do. And I remember you're talking about the experiences you had with uh, millennials and how they didn't seem to have control of managing their finances, managing their checkbooks. So tell me a little bit about that. Yes, I think a lot of millennials now, because they grew up with computers, they're mm-hmm. they're just, you know, they, they don't use the old-fashioned checkbook. And sometimes you need to mm-hmm. in order to, you know, every check you write, every because sometimes, let's just say I write a check on the first of the month, and the other person doesn't cash it until the 25th of the month. Well, if you don't have a check register and you know, don't know whether they cashed it or not, you forgot, mm-hmm. and that's when, you know, the extra $400 that's on the check, you're going to use it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit of the downfall with technology because technology is not going to tell you, hey, you have this check outstanding that hasn't been mm-hmm. cashed yet. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of millennials, maybe they need to. So, well, you know, once in a while or have a, you know, e- electronic check check register where they mm-hmm. can just write down, you know, what checks they have because sometimes there's also a delay. If you swipe your card today uh, at a merchant, who knows? It may not show until tomorrow or the next day if they do it offline. But for the most part right now, you know, it'll show immediately. But then there are situations where maybe they swipe your card offline and you don't see it uh, until the next day. And that's where a lot of people get charged the overdraft fees. Overdraft fees can be very hefty. It can be from 30 to $35. Yes, they can. on the bank that you bank with, right? And they add up. What do you, what do you um, credit your financial recovery to, and how does that translate to millennials? And what do, what do you advise them? What, what are you telling them in your blogs? What are you writing about? Well, I'm writing about different ways to increase your FICO score. I think FICO score is very important because any uh, thing, you know, you buy a home, any big ticket item that you buy, nowadays, even when you look for a job, they're going to run your credit. And one of the blog posts that I wrote is how to increase your credit score. And one of the best ways to increase your credit score, of course, is only to use one-third of your credit limit, your total credit limit, let's just say your total credit limit is 9000 keep your balances at under 3000 and of course, pay your debts on time, and installment loans also help, installment loans are like car loans, you know, uh, personal loans that you have, make sure you pay those on time, and the one that really increase your FICO score quickly is buying a home. If you buy a home, if you have a mortgage on your credit and you pay it on time, it'll help your FICO score Uh go up. And not only that, you know, not only credit, but also saving and paying yourself first. Most important thing is paying yourself first. When you get a paycheck, uh, let's just say you're a W-2 employee, of course, you know, you save in your 401k. If they have a 401k, find out if the company has a matching 401k. And if they do, take advantage of it. But whatever you take home, save about 10%. 
of it in a savings account where you don't see it. And if you're self-employed, that's where a lot of people get in trouble as well. When you're self-employed, you have to keep in mind that whatever you get paid, the taxes haven't been taken out yet. So you do have to set aside at least maybe 25% of it where you put it in a, an account you don't see it and every quarter you pay taxes. It's the little things like that that you have to think of. And um, one other thing is some bills come once a year. For example, your property taxes or auto insurance. You pay every six months, but you don't think about it. This is where sometimes I used to put it on my credit card where the property Mm -hmm. taxes come due in a year. Oh, I don't have enough money because I didn't save every single month. And so my best advice is to divide it by 12, whatever the annual amount is, divide it by 12, and you have to save that into a savings account every single month. Otherwise, you're going to end up using your credit card when it comes time, when it's due. And, you know, those are some of the, you know, just minor things that people have to think about. I never thought about it before, and that's how I got it. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, one of the things uh, is like, what you know, establishing wise financial priorities, because you were saying that people just spend too much and they really don't think about what they're, you know, maybe what they're incurring, and then they end up in debt. And But, but Caitlin, have you absolutely looked around you and to see that it's hardly any place you can go that you, that you, you don't need, uh, you know, you have need of, let me put it that way, of a credit card. You can't rent a car without a credit card. You can't That's do a true. car. That's true. And, you can't well, do a here's car the rental. thing, there are... Uh huh. There are things that you need a credit card for. For example, mm-hmm. renting mm-hmm. a car, you know, staying at a hotel. And I was a big proponent. Now I kind of use my credit card. You know, I use it, I pay it off, I use it, I pay it off, and I, you know, take advantage of the points I get. But let's just say to start off, in order to control your spending, I suggest people go with the envelope, you know, putting cash in an envelope. And, you know, you can put it for, for, there's four envelopes once a week and you have a little budget. And that way you can kind of control yourself. Because there are things, you know, you go to a restaurant, you, you can pay cash. If you go buy clothing, you can pay, pay cash. For the most part, you can pay cash for things. And that's a great way I teach people to also do that in order to control their spending. Now, of course, you know, you can control yourself. But then, you know, sometimes you, you, you run out of money, then you go take from the other envelope that's supposed to be for the following week. So sometimes you just got to have self-control. In the beginning, what? I didn't have self-control, but now I do. Mm-hmm. So it, it takes practice, actually. <laughs> do, it, and it does. Uh, do you believe that, um, which I've always thought, that your core beliefs about money will dictate how you earn, how you spend, how you save, and how you share. Because it's like I, I was thinking about when I was growing up, and I shared this in a session I did about uh, money and wellness, how financial well-being contributes to good health. And it was like when I grew up, 
my mom would say when I would ask for things, do you think we have money growing on trees in the backyard? You know, and I was thinking about the core belief about money was that you saved money. You didn't spend everything because there were six of us in the family, six children. So it was like I grew up, you know, with that conservative mindset or core belief. So I'm just interested in your thoughts about that and even just for the listeners because um, that what you, it's like early childhood sort of orientation towards money that guides you and then how do you change that? Suppose you grew up in a family where they, they just spent money like water, you spent money. You grow up, you don't have that kind of money to spend, but but you have that habit because it's a core belief. Am I am I getting this okay? No, right, right. No, you're uh, absolutely right. It is a core belief. And if you, I have a blog called millennialmoneyminute.com and if mm-hmm, you look mm-hmm. on my blog... It says save, invest, spend, and donate. And I think everyone has to have a balance. The reason Uh you have to save, of course, you save for emergencies, you save for your retirement. You also have to invest. When you invest, you're taking advantage of compounding interest. Uh And, of course, you spend, you know, within reason. And donating is also a very important because... You know, you have to be grateful. I think a lot of people are not grateful for what they have. They're always mm-hmm. wanting more. There's no nothing wrong with always wanting more. But then you have to, you know, sit back and ask yourself, what am I grateful for? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you want to donate. Go to these nonprofits and volunteer. And, and you can see there's some people that don't have as much as you do. And mm-hmm. it really it makes you feel good to either donate your time or, if you can, donate some money to help the less fortunate. And sometimes, even though you have a core belief of spending only, you know, when you're an adult, when you're over 18, hey, you know, mommy Mm -hmm. and daddy's not always going to be there to tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to learn, either learn from your mistakes or learning by, you know, reading books or Mm -hmm. seeing other successful people, and that's how you learn. Think and grow rich. <laughs> I was thinking about the yeah, book. Yeah, think and grow Napoleon rich. Napoleon Hill, think <laughs> and grow rich. Do, do you believe that, uh, Caitlin, have you found in your journey that there are differences in terms of female responses towards money as opposed to male approaches or responses towards money? Is there a difference? Do you think there's a difference? Well, you know, sometimes I find... It, it depends on the person, from what I see. Some men like to not spend gender. Money. So you're saying not gender, not gender. Yeah, yeah, no, not really gender. But I think, to be honest with you, women tend to spend more money, mainly because you know we're always wanting to look good. We buy expensive clothes, of course. You know, I'm a shoe person as well. And jewelry, and that does cost a lot of money, as opposed to men. When they go to work, all they need is a shirt and tie and a suit. And they don't have to spend as much money in order for that, you know, for the appearance. And sometimes, you know, it, it really depends, actually. A lot of men, they buy expensive suits. But it's really, like you said, going back to the core beliefs, how you were brought up, and, you know, maybe how much money you actually make now. 
Because well, the more, uh, there's, a, there's, a life, uh, there's a saying called lifestyle uh, creep. I don't know if you've heard of it before. Mm-mm. But lifestyle Mm-mm. creep is you increase your lifestyle needs based on the income that you have. For example, every, mm-hmm. let's just say every year you get a raise. Instead of saving that raise and putting that raise that you got in a savings account, you, you know, now you're increasing your lifestyle. You're buying a better car. You're buying a better home. And so you're always trying to catch up. You never have enough money. I think lifestyle creep is really a, a, an important um, thing not to get caught up into. Okay. Tell me, what do you think has been the biggest lesson you have learned so far from your previous experiences as it relates to money? My biggest lesson is always, always pay yourself first. Okay. Mainly because things come up. Emergencies come up. Mm-hmm. And, of course, as you get older, I'm, you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And as yes, you get you older, yes, you know, you <laughs> <laughs> medical yes, you expenses, are, <laughs> dental expenses, it's these expenses that you never expect. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you have medical insurance. There's always a deductible. Mm-hmm. When you get into a car accident, there's a mm-hmm. deductible. And mm-hmm. I encourage everybody to look at their insurance policies. You know, if you're, you know, like here in, for example, in California, all these homes, that got burned down, unfortunately. I mean, I hate to say it. I've heard there's insurance companies that ran out of money. And oh, I've wow. also heard, mm-hmm. yeah, I've also heard the people that were displaced because their homes burned down. Well, guess what? They were trying to rent from other, uh, from, you know, in the local neighborhood, renting a room, renting a house. Guess what? People were gouging them. A home that usually cost two thousand to rent now they're charging four thousand. Wow! And the yes. problem is they have the right to gouge them. And I've heard people didn't even have a place to go; they had to drive, you know, twenty miles to get a a place that's more affordable because the local neighborhood, the people that were renting uh, renting to these people, they were price gouging, and it's very unfortunate. And so oh, we always is, have to think yes. about saving for an emergency because. There's always going to be emergencies that come up, and especially, you know, people that have young children at home, you know. So pay yourself first. Preparation is one of the biggest lessons you've learned so far from your previous experiences, so pay yourself first. On the other hand, we're going to talk about what have been some of your greatest victories personally. Give me one. Of your greatest victories. I may ask you for a couple of more because I think you're doing great, Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, my greatest victory, I think, is really just having a positive mindset mm-hmm. and rebuilding what I have lost. Mm-hmm. And I've known people that, you know, came uh, that was I was in the mortgage and real estate business with. I mean, they just. It kept on the same path to doing the same thing, you know, pilfering mm-hmm. money. I mean, wasting money. You know, they found another job, but then again, they were doing the same thing. You know, what I have done is I learned from it. I learned from my from the you know mm-hmm. lesson mm-hmm. 
of not overspending. And now, of course, I'm more frugal. I have to mm-hmm. say I wasn't frugal before when I was in the mortgage business. And now I am more frugal. And I save where I can. I don't eat out as much anymore. I used to eat mm-hmm. out every single day. It gets expensive. Those things add up. And I've noticed well, if you go out to lunch, each lunch now is 10 to $15. If you drink water, it's $10. If you don't drink water, it's close to 15 Well, one thing I can and, say, uh, Caitlin, having a positive mindset is so important. At least you didn't get into the naming, the blaming game. It was somebody else. It was, you know, the fault of the banks. It was the fault of this. But you did not blame, but you took it on yourself to admit your mistake and to improve. And I think that's the most important thing is that you, with your eyes wide open, decided because having a positive mindset is a choice, is a form of choice. And so I just want to applaud you for doing that because I'm not sure, you know, when you talk about losing, you know, five homes, taking seven years to restore your credit and be able to purchase another home. I think that for a single woman who's working in a bank, I think that's laudable. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back because i got a few more things I want to ask Caitlin Chan. And maybe if you'd like to have questions, you can call in. It's still time. So thank you for listening. We'll be right back. Thank you. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world. And that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. If you've always wanted to take the lead in your life, but you don't believe you are a leader, that it's time to change that mindset. Leadership expert Linda Patton will help you discover the powerful leader that lives within and teach you the leadership skills that will transform your business and your life. Stepping into your leadership brings reality to your vision, and leadership can be learned. Find out more on Leadership Stars every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, hello there, and if you just happen to be tuning in, I am with my guest, Ms. Caitlin Chan, who's a writer, blogger, speaker, and a working capital consultant for a commercial banking institution. And she has just been talking about her financial recovery. And one of the things I want to recap is that Caitlin credits her financial recovery after it took her seven years to restore her credit. She had to sell all of the five homes that she had acquired, but she credits her financial recovery to being patient, staying calm, and determined to regain what was lost. So one of the things she shared, and I'm sort of recapping, that she's learned the importance 
of not overextending one's debts because you never know what external circumstances may happen that's beyond your control. And one of the things that she credited and the lesson she learned was to pay yourself first. So for those of you out there, the listeners, I know I hope you're taking notes because if you're not driving, because this is good stuff. And on the other hand, her greatest victory was having a positive mindset. And that is so important. Not the fear, not blaming other people for what happened, but ownership, but having a, a positive mindset. So uh, I want Caitlin to ask you this question, because I think it's, you know, obviously you've overcome some financial challenges, you know, and for a single woman, again, I want to point out for somebody alone and having four, five homes and having to transform your life, because seven years is a long, to me, I think about seven years restoring your credit and being patient and calm about it. Uh, obviously, you have overcome a lot to become the, the confident woman that we see today. You have been very modest because I do know you're working with millennials and you have a television show called the Millennial Money Minute on TV. So tell me about a little bit about your show and what you hope to accomplish on that show. Well, what I hope to accomplish uh, on that show, Dr. Young, is really mm-hmm. just to, you know, learn more about millennials, let millennials, mm-hmm. uh, you know, talk about, uh, you know, I, I'm actually very excited that millennials now, they they mm-hmm. love doing side hustles. Mm-hmm. And Sean Duvall was one of the millennials that I interviewed. Mm-hmm. And he said he started working at the age of 13, walking dogs, doing this, doing that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's really a different mindset when I was growing up, of course, you know, mm-hmm. the teachers and parents, they tell us we have to go to college, you know, do well in school, go to college, come out, mm-hmm. get a job. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, stay in your job until you retire. But now millennials have a different mindset. And I really like talking to them and interviewing them and seeing, you know, that how they're trailblazers and being able to open up their own business at a young age. And sometimes now, you know, it's not even that important for them to go to college, even though going to college is good. But there are some very, very successful millennials that, uh, you know, they come out working. They started working at the age of 13. I know. Well, you have definitely made a difference uh, with a lot of the millennials, uh, and I want to thank you for taking them on. But one of the things, um, what do you think uh, has been or is one of the biggest struggles for millennials right now? I think one of the biggest struggles for millennials is being able to purchase a home, no matter where you go now, Well, especially in these very expensive states like California and New York. I mean, it's literally, uh, you know, you will have to save almost 10 years in order to buy a home. And that's been very challenging for millennials. And also millennials, of course, they like to spend money on experiences, going to these expensive vacations. And -hmm. sometimes I give them advice to, you know, save a little bit of money, maybe go somewhere locally. That way you can first buy a home because as home prices go up, of course, rents go up as well. But at least if you own a home, you can get a fixed rate mortgage for 30 years. And you know, after 30 years, you're going to own that home free and clear. And I think one of the biggest challenges now for millennials is housing. It's amazing here in L.A., 
for a one-bedroom, one-bath in downtown, it can cost from $2,500 to $3,000. We're talking about rent, not mortgage. And I'm not used to it. My mortgage is actually a lot less than that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But do you find that uh, now I had, you know, one conversation with uh, a millennial group where many of them are really not looking to buy homes anymore. They're looking at other alternatives rather than mortgages and debt as they saw their parents uh, get involved in. And many of them remember their parents that happened with you with the 2008 crash, uh, particularly here in California with homes. So I'm just, you know, trying to understand from your point of view, because I know you're working with them, and you've definitely have taken on a lot, <laughs> a lot of their struggles. And I just wanted to get your take on what are they? Because I know they're struggling with student loans and student debt, and they want to have growth. And a lot of them came out of colleges with a lot of debt, and they're not getting jobs that are equally uh, that are paying them the kind of money where they can pay off a lot of that debt. So. Financial wellness is something that I think um, and the struggles that many of us have in this country is trying to keep that mindset. So I want you to share a couple of things that you would say to people who need to understand uh, about going through a financial situation. Because I think there are a lot of people that are still going through these financial situations. And some of your thoughts of what would you share with someone who's going through a similar experience as you went through? Could you give them about three things of encouragement? This is Transformation for Success, folks. So we've got Caitlin Chen here to give us a little bit of advice. All right, some encouragement. Well, mm-hmm. I am going to just suggest the experiences I've had. Mm-hmm. And uh, first of all, don't look back. You know, if you're in a financial situation where, you know, it's less than stellar, something happened or, you know, you got laid off or whatever it may be, don't dwell on the past. And I think that's one of the most important things. If you continue on the past, you're not going to move forward and you're not going to have enough energy to move forward. And when I actually read this article, actually, I want to share this article. Uh, her name is, I read it on the Toastmasters magazine. As you know, Dr. Young, I'm a member of Toastmasters. Mm-hmm. And, and inside it was the most recent Toastmasters magazine, Mel Robbins. She is a motivational speaker and author. And she actually created this concept called the five-second rule. I don't know if you've heard of it before. It's very interesting. Yes. Actually, It actually works. Yes. The five-second rule is, the concept is if you have an impulse to act on a goal, you must physically move within five seconds or your brain will kill the idea. It's kind of like a rocket ship, right? You count down five, four, three, two, one, take off. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think about anything that you want to do right now, you have a goal, count down from five. And just get up and do it. And it actually works. The other day I wanted to go to the gym at 5 a.m. I didn't feel like getting up. So I thought about this article. I said, I'm going to count down from 5. And I guess what? I got up. And I went to the gym. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> okay. So we got point number one. Don't look back. Forget the past. Move back. on. Number two, set a goal. And in five seconds, move. Yes. And then be positive as well. 
You got to be positive. You actually have to think about the future, what's possible, and what you have to do in order to move forward. And I'm I'm a proponent of taking one step at a time. Don't because right now you know we have social media, we have email, and you're getting distracted all the time. If you want to work towards something, it's kind of like the saying, "How do you eat an elephant?" Well, one bite at a time, right? You can't do everything all at once. Take small steps every day. Work towards something. Uh, work towards your end goal. Take a small chunk. If you if you're working full time, of course, you have to spend some time afterwards. Uh, after work, you know, time is one thing you have to sacrifice in order to get to your end goal. So just do one little thing. Take half an hour of your time every day to do something. And that goes back to also to the Pomodoro technique. Uh, the Pomodoro technique is, I, I like that one too. You set your timer uh-huh. for mm-hmm. 25 minutes mm-hmm. and with no interruptions, you just focus on that task for 25 minutes. And that one works as well. Time management is key. I Sometimes I, have, I still have trouble with time management and I utilize these two things in order to manage my time. Because if you think about it, time is money. We all have 24 hours in a day, and it takes time to make money. So time is money. (laughs) I like that. Okay. And there was something else I was going to say. You said, don't complain. (laughs) Yes, don't complain. Don't blame others. Because we all, you know, like you said, Dr. Young, we all have a choice. We make our own choices. There's always a fork in the road, and you just look, which way do you want to go? And if you end up going one way where it wasn't the most stellar idea, that's okay. Don't regret. Just go on towards the other way. And uh, don't blame others is actually key, because if you start blaming others, you're going to continue on that path. You're going to be miserable. And the thing is, you can't do anything about it. You can't, you know, what's gone is gone. Move okay, you've also, you've also said, uh, but you didn't quite say it that way, but you talked about donate, so pay it forward in a sense. So you want to donate. You were saying giving back to others. That was a point you made. And I'm going to add a point I made, which was about yeah. examining your financial beliefs. What do you believe about money? I think that's so important. Yes, that is important. Absolutely. Um, and as I, I know, when I did a workshop on this, and of course, this is about you, not me, but basically, it was really eye-opening to really look at your your belief system about money and how that has affected and has impacted you, um, as as opposed to the person who's very tight with money. Uh, because that's the way they were raised. They were raised in a situation where money was scarce, and they always felt if they got money, <laughs> I will hang on to it. And so that's like really examining your beliefs and facing the reality of it. And if there's need for change, you change. So anything else? I just am so excited. I mean, because when we start talking about money, Caitlin, you know, I'm always, uh, always calling on you because you, to be personified, you know, one of the people that I know personally that has overcome, you know, the, the personal financial challenges and then have remained so optimistic and so positive and you're just doing great uh, and doing such a work to help others 
uh, understand, and particularly millennials. So I really just want to thank you for what you're doing and the role that you're playing uh, and you're uh, approaching new. Where do you see yourself going? Um, just in the, where do you see yourself going? What's next for you? What's next? I want to maybe in person have a, do some financial coaching one-on-one. Okay. Uh-huh. That, that would excite me. And also I'm still you know, working on my blog and maybe uh-huh. have some financial seminars. When it comes to money, I'm very excited about talking about it because I, I feel people don't have to learn the hard way. Okay, so you how know, can I, we like get in me, touch with I you? Like me, I learn the hard way. How can we get in touch with you to, uh, to tap into your blog? Oh, actually, just go to Millennial, M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L, uh-huh. moneyminute.com. It's all one word. And Millennial, if you want to write to me, uh, on the bottom, there's a contact info. Okay, millennialmoneyminute.com. Yes. If you are interested. And in- my mantra is, you know, you can transform your finances one minute at a time. Love it. Love it. I really want to thank you, Caitlin, because obviously, again, you've overcome some great financial tra- challenges that have transformed your life to become the successful, confident woman you are today. And I'm so proud of you. Uh, and thank you, I Dr. Just, Young. I just want to thank you again. And I, listeners, I want to thank you for being able to listen to this show. And I want to just close with a quote that Stephen Covey says, I'm not a product of my circumstances. I am a product of my decisions. So I want to thank all of my listening audience for your support and for tuning into the Transformation for Success show each week. And just as a reminder, I am live on the Empowerment Channel Tuesdays at noon and on the Business Channel on Saturdays at noon. And both of these shows are available for downloading shortly after the last show on my website, drbarbaryoung.com. And I tunes transformation for success so i want you to share with your friends and colleagues and you can tune in to dr uh dr young show total transformation i love it transformation for success so until then i'm going to see you next week with another guest and be safe be blessed and be forever transformed god bless you We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an outstanding week.